you know what? Hooters is too good for you. I'll never bring you there again. This is episode 44? I'm not sure. Of They're All Going to Laugh at Him. I'm Alex Sprigg. And I'm Jess Geyer. I think that it's episode 44, but you can't quote me on that. This is episode infinity of this. This is 45. We're on 45. My bad, everybody. Huh. That's a bad number. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Alex, what did we watch today on the pod? Blended, a uh, rom-com with Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. This is the third time they've been together, but this time it's the Brady Bunch. It is the Brady Bunch. It's also, you know, it's a movie about how they are smoothie enthusiasts. Uh, it's kind of weird. It's just like one big Orange Julius product placement. What? That's just a joke. Oh, I was about, like, I don't remember blending. any smoothies. <laughs> about blending. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get it. It's a it's a blended fruit joke. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't make any references, unfortunately, to smoothies or smoothie culture. Um, something I'm super into. So I'm <laughs> we're keeping that in because I like that joke, even though it's a bad one. No, I like that joke, too. I was just not saying anything because Balder shook his head and it made a noise. Yeah. I heard it. Yeah. Um, anyhow. This is a two-star well, two Sandlayer movie. Yeah, and why are we watching movies like oh, this? Yes. Why? What are we? Why are we watching all sixty Adam Sandler and Adam Sandler adjacent movies in a row for sixty days? Well, it's because he wants to make money. You know, live in a nice house with wide windows and locks. You can't expect him to live forever with his sister and the nipple twisting that goes on there. And we're here to decide if Adam Sandler deserves all the hate. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, the Wedding Singer. Oh! <laughs> because... There's nipple twisting in this movie, too! And uh, this is kind of like a grown-up version of The Wedding Singer yeah. in many ways. Yeah, it is a it is very similar to that, except I find it much... I find it much less romantic. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think that's kind of due to the fact that romance in your 40s is a little less romanticized, maybe. Yeah. In this, they care a lot more about their kids. Yeah, the kids are like the center of the plot, really. Yeah, and how they're dealing with that and some other stuff we'll get into. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, this is a two-star Sandlayer movie because it stars Adam Sandler, and it's by Happy Madison Productions. He didn't write this one, although I feel like his touches in a few spots. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was overall pretty... I thought it was an okay movie. It's, I'm putting it at the six range. Um, I'm not like super six out of ten. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Like it's not the worst thing you could see, but there's almost always something better to see. Yeah, I, I will say though, there's one child actor in this film. I I don't know if I want to say who because I feel like that's mean. That just every time they were on <laughs> the screen, I'm like, fuck this movie, dude. I hate this kid. But there was also one child actor who was so precious. Yeah. I loved her. There's three good child actors, one neutral and one that just sucks shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that was one of the things that, that I didn't like about the movie was I didn't really sympathize with Drew Barrymore's family in it. Mm-hmm. I, I could... Uh, this movie would have... I have I have to eat eat my words... This movie would have been better with Jennifer Aniston in it. It sure would have been. It, it would have, have been made, a real good movie with Jennifer Aniston. It would have made a lot more sense. 
I mean, I'm going to come out and say it. Drew Barrymore is Hollywood elite and came from, and that's why, like, she's been working in showbiz for so long. Jennifer Aniston, you know, worked her way up to the top. <laughs> you do I, know Drew Barrymore is uh, Spielberg's niece, right? I do know that, yes. Yeah, like her so. god, his goddaughter or something, yeah. Yeah, some shit like that. And, like, I don't mean to, like, shit talk Drew Barrymore, but, you know, Jennifer Aniston is better in every way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about them as like actual people, so I really hope there's not something real bad I'm saying. Yeah, I I I wouldn't be able to tell you to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. How many times did you laugh during this movie? I laughed thirty times, which is pretty good. Yeah, so it wasn't that funny of a movie. Good laughs. Um, and I I did tear up a half time. They got me with that. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They they pulled their usual tricks mm-hmm. with the sad dad BS. Yeah, um, and sad, sad dads kids. is illegal. Sad kids is illegal. Mm-hmm. I really did not. I liked how Drew Barrymore dealt with the daughters in this movie, mm-hmm. but like Drew Barrymore and her kids and her husband and stuff, that whole they sucked. Kind of, yeah, they all in my did. Opinion. They all sucked. Joel McHale. I think can never not look like a uh, kind of half-ass sitcom actor. <laughs> like not in like I don't mean to shit on him, but like you watch it and you're like, we're we are currently in an episode of Community. We're not like in a movie or a different place. He's just playing Joel McHale, being like a cool douche. Um, except I don't think he looks or acts very cool ever. So I don't understand it. I don't understand why he's like supposed to be a cool guy yeah Ah. i i couldn't tell you you know uh, he he did seem very out of place but he was very good at being like a douchebag slimy guy yeah i i just think i don't know maybe it's because he's done it so many times before it doesn't doesn't really you just know what he's gonna do yeah (laughs) there's nothing really there for me anyhow what do you think the critics and the audience rated this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that critics probably gave it somewhere in the 30s. And I think audience probably, I think audience probably gave it somewhere in the 60s. I think that it's probably a split. Yeah, audiences did give it in the 60s at a 64. Okay. Critics gave this a 14%. <laughs> Why? Always. Yeah. They, they went down uh, pretty hard with this. Um, I just wanted to point out that 14%, I, I know that's kind of hard to fathom. What kind of movies are at the 14% rating? Well, The Dark Tower, one of the worst adaptions of a book that ever happened, is at 16%. The Mummy, starring Tom Cruise, is at 16%. You know, another one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I actually never saw that. I watched like the first 10 minutes and I had to turn it off because even if it pissed off Joe, it wasn't worth the suffering. Um, Geostorm. You guys remember Geostorm? That's terrific. That's 16%. It's higher than this. <laughs> uh, Transformers, the last night. Um, the one with uh, the like, I think this is the one where the he, the guy keeps in his wallet, the rules to like uh, statutory raping a young person. 15%, slightly better than this movie, apparently. Um, Sharknado The Fourth Awakens got a 14%. You think 
Do you think Sharknado 4 was better than this movie? I didn't know that they made a Sharknado 4. Yeah. Um, so basically, what I'm saying is this must be like one of the worst movies of all time. I mean, just the the thing that I have realized is that I am never going to trust Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> ever oh, yeah. again. No, yeah, Alvin and the Chipmunks, the road chip, 15%, slightly better than this. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I don't, the only movie that I like that they have like a digitally rendered, slightly anthropomorphic animal along with actual human actors the only movie that I've actually kind of liked is like those Scooby Doo movies. Yeah, those I'll are, give you that. they weren't good, but I really like Scooby Doo. So, and, and the final one I'll do is Forty Seven Ronin, starring Keanu Reeves. <laughs> it's such a Even bad though movie. it's not supposed to star Keanu Reeves, and they re-edited it to do that to try to make more money. A movie uh... I will admit is absolute trash and has no redeeming factors. Got a sixteen percent. That is so this. bad. My favorite actor in my favorite type of genre. One of the worst movies ever made. No, it sucks. Got a better rating than this. Oh my gosh. I That's that's unbelievable right there. That is unbelievable. Yeah, uh, uh, undeservedly <laughs> so. You know, I I just don't get it, Alex. Yeah, I mean, obviously critics just, uh, they have no ethics. They don't actually care about things. Um, what they care about is looking smart to their friends and other critics. That's how you take a job critiquing things yeah. is by not actually critiquing instead of just giving everything bad scores. You know, whatever. Go give Crash another Academy Award, you fucking idiots. Let's <laughs> recap it. I don't want to give uh, I don't want to do another like big like bash session on critics because that's what we did last time. But I do want to read this thing that I found mm-hmm. um, when I was looking up. Because you wanted some some bad movies that took place like during mm-hmm. the same time. And I found a ScreenRant.com article. And they said it's the 20th, 20th, <laughs> 20-worst action movies on Rotten Tomatoes, according to Rotten Tomatoes. And number six out of 20 was True Memoirs of an International Assassin, which got 0%, which is a movie that I had never heard of before. And it's not yeah, on our list, but it does star Kevin James. It's apparently a Netflix movie. And I just want to read the the review that they gave it. Truth be told, Kevin James is actually an extremely talented physical comedian, which would make him the ideal casting choice for an action comedy. However, that hasn't stopped Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and True, Mem- True Memories, they got the name wrong, True Memories of an International Assassin from being any less terrible. The film has a promising setup, which, ho- which involves a hopeful author who gets mistaken for an assassin when his fictional novel is accidentally published as a memoir. Unfortunately, the storytelling proves to be extremely lazy, featuring one lackluster joke and unimpressive action sequence after the next. And then this is the clincher. True memoirs of an international assassin is yet another indication that Adam Sandler's movie deal with Netflix has resulted in nothing but garbage entertainment, including, but not limited to, The Ridiculous Six, The Do-Over, and Stanley Wexler. Um. So, yeah, I know a little bit about this because... We're watching every Happy Mass in an Adam Sandler related film, and that's not on our list, huh? No, so. it, it's not. And in fact, um, a person who has nothing to do with this movie is um, Adam Sandler. This person who wrote this <laughs> couldn't stop themselves from trashing Adam Sandler on a list that did not involve Adam Sandler. That's that's like pretty incredible. That is the mental gymnastics I choose to believe in. 
is that it's Adam Sandler fault, Sandler's fault that Kevin James made a bad movie somewhere. That's great. I love it. That's not biased or like not journalism or anything like that. No. Yeah. It has, again, has nothing to do with him. Ugh. Yeah. Do you want me to recap the movie that we're actually watching? Yes, I'm just <laughs> okay. looking up that movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so the plot of this, Drew Barrymore, who plays a character named Lauren, and Adam Sandler, who plays a character named Jim. Uh, the movie starts, they're having a blind date at Hooters, uh, which Drew thinks is like the worst thing ever. Um, she calls her babysitter to ask her to help her out of it. But then Sandler uses the emergency call trick. Um, and later, Barrymore is talking to her co-worker, um, who is played by someone from... Um, What's that show about the cops where all the cops Reno are Reno 911. Yes, thank you. Uh, Reno 911, Wendy McClendon Covey uh, plays her co-worker. And I, I really like her in this movie. Um, and they're stunned that he thought it was a bad date. Uh, and Adam Sandler talks to his co-worker, Shaq, about how there was also no connection. We learn about both of these families. So Barrymore is a divorcee. She has two sons who both suck. Uh <laughs> She's a closet organizer with Jen and her husband, played by Joel McHale, cheated on her. Um, whereas Sandler's a widower with three daughters and works at Dick's Sporting Goods. Um, and his daughters, I love them in this movie, but he dresses them basically in just clothes that he got at Dick's and also mm -hmm. gets their hair cut at a barber's. It's not that barbers can't do women's hair, but they they have boys hair. Yeah. He specifically goes to the place that he's been going his entire life. Yeah. Um, because it's what's comfortable to him. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Barrymore and Sandler end up at the same pharmacy to pick up stuff for their kids. Um, Barrymore is getting a porno mag for her eldest son, <laughs> which is a long story I'm not going to get into. And Sandler's getting some tampons for his oldest daughter. And they help each other pick the opposite things out. Uh, because uh, both of them are clueless about that. But it turns out the cashier switched their cards. So Sandler shows up at her house to correct that. And that's when Jen, her coworker, comes by saying that she broke up with her boyfriend, Dick, because he has five kids and wanted to take them to South Africa to bond. And this is such a coincidence because it turns out that that's Sandler's boss, the guy who owns Dick's Sporting Goods. I don't know why they, they chose to make him Greek, but... That's okay. Um, several Dick Sporting Goods in the area, not like the CEO of Dick's. Still gotcha. like a real rich dude, but yes, that's yes. worth I think pointing out. Okay, well they shouldn't have named him Dick then. Uh <laughs> um, oh, that's that is <laughs> funny, but no, he doesn't own them all. Yeah, that's just a humorous thing. Yeah, unbeknownst to both of them, they both ask the other people to let them buy their vacation so they can take their kids in a spring break. Uh, that was a, like a minor point, like Sandler's kids want to go on a good spring break and Barrymore's kids were supposed to go with their dad on spring break, but he canceled on them. But so they both end up in a honeymoon suite in South Africa. And they don't realize that they were going to end up on this vacation together and they don't get along great at first. I mean, they they didn't like each other when they first met either. But then each helps the other's kids learn things and improve. Um, Barrymore is very popular with Lou, um, who is Sandler's youngest daughter, who is adorable. Um, she helps the oldest daughter, who's named uh, Hillary, nicknamed Larry. 
um, dress more femininely because that's what she wants to do. And then the middle daughter, Espen, ESPN, I I love that name. It's such a good name, um, Mm -hmm. learns to like her because Barrymore tolerates the fact that she pretends that her mom is invisible and around them all the time. Uh, which, you know, is something that she should go to a therapist for, but okay. Mm-hmm. But he, he works at Dick's Sporting Goods, yeah. so he probably can't afford it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. Sandler's ca- uh, Sandler helps the boys, um, well, helps the, the littlest one who definitely has, like, he has some kind of uh, hyperactivity problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and uh, he, like, goes ostrich riding with the youngest, and, and then with the oldest... Oh, and with the youngest, he also teaches him how to hit a baseball. Um, and then the oldest he boxes with because the oldest hates him because he's very protective of his mom. He's also like just a, a shitty kid that oh, needs God. to get his anger out. Yeah. Uh, he's also a creepy stalker kid. And also during the South Africa scenes, there are two characters who I think steal the show, played by Kevin Nealon and mm-hmm. um, oh, who's the other person on here? Her name is Ginger. In the Oh, Jessica Lowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they play like this couple that's in a May December sort of romance, and Kevin Nealon has a teenage son, and I just love every scene that they're in because they are so weird and out there. Yeah, um, if anyone's ever been on like a vacation where you run into the same group a multiple times, you understand what character they're playing. It's just like the vacation quote-unquote friends that you're like these people are fucking weird but whatever we're near them yeah <laughs> kind of have to deal with it yeah they have assigned seating at like the lunch times and stuff so they're mm-hmm. in a, they end up with them a lot yeah so they start bonding over how they're treating each other's kids well um and sandler tries to give it a shot with barrymore and like goes in to kiss her but then stops himself and, and like he he can't do it so back in america Sandler does learn that he he loves Barrymore, um, especially because his kids like her a lot. Uh, so he goes to her house where Joel McHale answers the door and he lies and says that they're getting back together, which is a reversal of a scene in The Wedding Singer. And this makes him very sad. But then Barrymore comes home and like she's not getting together with him. She does not like him, um, which doesn't like Joel McHale. And says that if he really wants to prove he's a good dad, he needs to show up at his son's baseball game that Saturday. And he doesn't. He doesn't show up. But guess who does? Sandler shows up with his kids and they and they cheer on the son. They cheer on Tyler to hit a good ball and, and get a home run. And in the end, Barrymore and Sandler kiss the end. Ooh, oh, and also Terry Crews is in a hot air balloon at the end. Yeah, singing about how the movie's done. Yeah. Terry Crews does a lot of singing in this movie. Um. And it's okay. It's all right. See, the thing is with this movie is that like they had so much goofiness going on kind of in the background. But then I felt like there was absolutely no goofiness going on with the actual romance going on. So it felt, I don't know, it was jarring. I really like rom-coms and I I don't like this as a rom-com. Something was missing for me. Even with like, like even the chemistry between Sandler and Barrymore just wasn't there for me in this movie. I think my actual issue with it is that they went too realistic with the relationship. They don't have a humorous misconception that's Mm -hmm. barring them from being together. It's more like about personal growth and like letting go of things and like, are they ready for other relationship stuff? 
Um, yeah. And that's not as funny, especially when you have Terry Crews dancing in the gym behind you the whole time. Like, Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the thing, because they try to make it goofy that way instead of with the couple. If they had just made it a little bit more serious or a little bit more goofy, I think it would have worked out more. I think another problem that they had with it is that Barrymore's character was really weird for me because she's this closet organizer. She's supposed to be very type A, Mm -hmm. except kind of when she's with her coworker slash friend, Jen, there are a lot of fun scenes with the two of them that I really enjoyed. I like when they were kind of ripping with each other. They had more chemistry together than Barrymore and Sandler did. But actually Drew Barrymore Barrymore is such a funny person and they just didn't play up the humor with her. I don't know many movies she's funny in, but they didn't make a Jen very likable, in my opinion, and I think that was a bit of a mistake. Because she's super funny. I know her from Reno 911. Mm-hmm. It's okay if she's playing a character who's like, I'm not, I don't like kids. I'm not sure about like this relationship due to this. But she doesn't really come off very well in that because we don't get to see her outside of work and kind of that stuff yeah we only ever see her through drew barrymore's character's lens whereas like her uh counterpart in the movie Shaq, who works with <laughs> adam sandler at dicks he is supportive he's nice and then at one point he like he hears adam sandler say something and he starts crying like he's an <laughs> emotionally supportive nice person whereas jen really isn't there um yeah so that was i don't know it, it it kind of fell flat a little bit for me. I don't know. I found her supportive because um, she like sticks up for the kids. Like when the when the men are like making fun of uh, Barrymore's son at the baseball mm-hmm. game. I, I, I liked that friendship. I didn't think that there was anything out of sorts. But again, they, they could have also made her funnier. They could have used the women in this a little bit better. Yeah, it would have been almost more interesting to have her showing up at that baseball game without her uh without dick theodopolis and the five kids because it would show that she was you know supporting drew barrymore and her kids yeah like show that that was even though she doesn't like baseball she's there to support yeah that that would have been a more interesting take i think than having her there because of the kids i think i'm not really sure yeah, I, I guess they also, were there to support Drew Barrymore, but it's confusing because she was always being hit by toys and stuff by the five yeah, kids. Yeah, it didn't make being a stepmom seem very likable. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that I think that this movie, like compared to The Wedding Singer, I, I really do want to compare this movie to The Wedding Singer because... Well, they, yeah, they make multiple scenes that are exactly from The Wedding Singer. Yeah. In The Wedding Singer, Drew Barrymore's character had much more of an emotional arc going and like we saw like that struggle with her and her her mom's expectations for her her fiance's expectations for her um we saw a lot more through her eyes i feel like than in this movie um whereas in this one in this one i don't feel like her character learned anything except that she fell in love with somebody and that's not character development i i think though in this movie the roles of Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler have been switched, um, okay. which is shown because Adam Sandler goes to her house, much like she went to his house and that is met by a ex at the door 
who says that they're trying to get back together lying to them and then they they give up instead of getting inside their relationship once they learn that's fake they they advance on the relationship that's and i think that makes sense because in this adam sandler's character he he is seen kind of from the outside you assume him to be a jerk and kind of a bad guy mm-hmm. with the whole hooters thing uh he brings uh, his first date to Hooters. He's emotionally distant. And then you learn throughout the movie, he brought someone to Hooters because his wife used to manage that Hooters. He knows all the girls at Hooters because they all worked for his wife. That's why they're nice to him. Um, and he's emotionally distant because he's afraid to have a woman come in that's not his wife and help like raise his kids. Yeah. Like, whereas on the other side... Drew Barrymore doesn't have as sad a background and kind of has to take the crux of getting to the relationship because Adam Sandler's character kind of starts out at a pure place almost like he's he's not the smartest dude. He's trying his best with his daughters, but he's never shown to like hurt his daughters in any way or like stop them in any bad way, you know? Mm hmm. Whereas I think Drew Barrymore does not do well with her kids and like it's constantly hitting one's head against the walls uh, while carrying him in his sleep. It's not I like still chunkies. I just still don't see her like her character is so uninteresting to me. And even if it were a reversal of the wedding singer, like in the wedding singer, Adam Sandler's character is the one who goes and pursues and, and follows. She doesn't do that. There's no pursuing from her. Oh, yeah. I wasn't saying. It's good. I'm saying that's why her character doesn't work is because she's supposed to be the one who has to take this like stuff up on her shoulders and do in the movie. But the character doesn't do much. Yeah, I wish that we had had a scene, though, like where she was interacting with her children more because she hardly interacts with her own kids in this movie, whereas we get a lot of scenes with Sandler's character and his kids. Mm hmm. And of course, they, you know, they have that sad backstory and everything, too. But, you know, a kid dealing with a divorce is still tough. They could have done more with that. I mean, we saw a lot of anger and sadness from the oldest kid. I just don't. Why did they make the boys so unlikable? I don't know. I think that kid is just an unlikable person. He has like a real negative energy about him. And I don't trust that kid at all. <laughs> they, gosh, like that was what kind of like ruined that side of the mm-hmm. of the family for me. There was no, that kid didn't learn anything in the end. Uh, you know, <laughs> he didn't really. The only thing he learned was, I guess I like this guy. That's all. Yeah. I th- They show a few of like uh, Sandler trying to teach him kind of. The different aspects of what like being a man is about, Mm -hmm. which while he's boxing, he makes a point that like the punching people isn't what you're learning here. It's it's when he asked if like the other guy was okay after hitting him and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, convoluted uh, messages through sports. It's something a lot of men like to try to teach uh, values. Mm -hmm. You know, it works kind of (laughs) sometimes. There's a lot in here about the role of men and women in in families and relationships in this movie. Some of it that I find a little objectionable. Mm-hmm. I like that the the oldest daughter, it's totally normal, even for someone who presents himself as a tomboy, to want to be pretty, to want to impress a boy. I mean, if you're a straight woman, you, you want to attract men. That That's how that works. Um, 
And she is a straight girl and she develops a crush on another guy at the vacation and she feels bad because everyone throughout this movie has been calling her a boy. She's been misgendered all this time and it's it's really affecting her body image. Mm-hmm. So even though she does end up getting, she goes to um, Drew Barrymore's salon appointment, she gets dolled up, she looks really nice, she looks more traditionally fem- feminine, and there's nothing wrong with that, nor is there anything wrong with dressing less feminine. The other the other two girls don't dress, well, except for the last scene, which I'll get to. Uh, but she's still an athlete, like, she still wants to be on the varsity basketball team, for example. Now, the, yeah. the things that I do slightly object to, she... And in the end, all three daughters are dressed more femininely. And again, I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with dressing more femininely, but it makes it seem like, oh, what they were doing before is wrong. Um, That's a mild objection for me. I saw it slightly differently because he was dressing them like that. Um, He hand waves it off like that's what you can buy at Dick's Sporting Good. But he mentions that their mom was a tomboy at that age, so there's no nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And then, obviously, we can assume his mom dressed more femininely since she ran a Hooters. Um, we'd assume she probably worked at a Hooters at one point. We don't know that for sure. But in my mind, it's him saying, like, these are still my children. They will be like their mom, and their mom was a tomboy at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. and once they say like, Hey, once someone gives the push to let them dress like they want, like they show when he tries to do makeup to make uh, the youngest one look like a cat, (laughs) she sees herself in the mirror and she starts crying. Yeah. Like (laughs) she looks like a little zombie. Yes. It's so funny. There's the scene where the littlest one asks, uh, seemingly before the scene started, asks Adam Sandler to do her hair. And when you look at what he's done, she looks like uh, what, like Angelica from Rugrats. Like she looks like Angelica's doll from Rugrats. That's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it shows he doesn't have like really the necessary skills, um, but they want to dress more femininely. Yeah, I think that seems to be what I took out. Yeah, and I can definitely see that. But that also kind of gets me to another questionable aspect of this movie seems to be the idea that kids need both a mom and a dad Mm -hmm. in their life. I am not going to deny that I think that kids need both positive male and female role models, no matter what gender they are. They need role models of all sorts because they need to see how like healthy relationships work. They need to see how healthy gender presentations of all sorts work. They need that in their lives. I don't think it necess- I don't think it needs to come from parents. I think no. that you could you can be a perfectly capable single mom or single dad raising whatever kind of kids and you can be a successful parent at doing that. I I know that this movie is trying to say like these parents on their own can't work. They need someone else to support them. But the movie there are a couple times where the movie does present it as these kids need a mom and a dad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I mean I think that it does present it in that way. What I seem to see, though, is like these, the men, or the boys in this, are, they act much worse, or they act oh, yeah. badly, whereas yeah. the, the girls don't. Not because they they don't have a male influence, it's because the, the male influence in their life is a piece of shit. Yes, yes. Joel McHale is a bad person. Their kids are turning bad, basically. Yeah. 
Whereas Adam Sandler's kids are fine. They just have trouble kind of expressing themselves well because they, I mean, they don't say how long ago the mother died, but that, you know, they don't have a mom anymore. So they're kind of stuck with what Adam Sandler can do. And he's, he's a very sports person. Um, yeah. I mean, he works at Dick's Sporting Good. He talks in sports metaphors. He dresses in like sports stuff. That's how he works. Yeah. And that isn't a rounded enough parent. I don't think you're wrong at all. I just think that there could, like, there definitely should have been something too of like, if they had Shaq, a scene with Shaq and the daughters where Shaq is telling like Adam Sandler, like, you got to stop buying them polos. Like, they don't like them. Like, something like that yeah. mm-hmm. would have been really good. Show that he supports them in a way. Or even if, like, Jack had a wife that, like, made fun of Adam Sandler. That could have been great. Yeah. But I don't think... I, I agree that you, that message is what they should have said. Um, honestly, do you know what would have been good is if, if Jen was the one who made the push to be like, you have to go buy these girls, like, new clothes. Like, something like that. Because Jen presented herself much more like overtly femininely and cared about clothes and looks a lot more. Mm -hmm. That would have been a more like it takes a village good feeling thing and would have shown more value and made Jen a lot more likable. I I definitely agree with that one. Mm -hmm. Um, There there are scenes though where I I do think that both of these parents, they're presented as trying, they're both presented as as trying to do right by their children. The scene mm-hmm. in particular I'm thinking of is when they both end up at the pharmacy. Yes. And I I think it's great that, like, it's got to be hard being a single dad and raising daughters that are going through puberty. It's got to be difficult because, like, even you could learn as much as you needed to about periods and whatever but it's still going to be difficult i think for a guy to go buy tampons or pads for their daughter because you don't you don't have that experience of needing them um so you don't really know like what it's all about and i yeah. like i like that drew barrymore said like <laughs> like she's like you bought super tampons she doesn't need those which is true uh, probably doesn't need them um, yeah i didn't know I couldn't understand the joke other than I'm like, those seem very generic. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the joke was also written poorly because they made it seem like super tampons, like super absorption tampons are for women with bigger vaginas, but that's not how that works. I, well, it's for women with wide set vaginas and a heavy flow. Not at all about wide set vaginas, but heavy flow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Is I, that from something? <laughs> yeah, it's it's from Mean Girls. Oh, it's a fucking weird comment out of me if it's not from something. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I'm really bad at knowing movie lines. Yeah. Um, and then she gets she gets the the porn mag. Like, I like that she's like, okay, yes, my son wants to look at pornos. That's that's fine. What's not fine is him pasting his babysitter's face onto it. You didn't mention the weird thing is that that child has been taking cutouts of his babysitter's face and putting it on porn when he looks at it. Yeah, it's creepy. Which is fucking not okay and very weird. And that is not an issue that is resolved in the end. um, (laughs) Other than. Adam Sandler is saying, like, hey, that's not okay. Like, he yeah, says that multiple times. Like, he does. That's, that's not a good thing. You shouldn't do that. Like, um, yeah. and I, I think the boys in this weren't resolved well. Um, and do you know what my biggest issue is? Hmm. Th- they set up the youngest child 
to be a fucking gymnast and then had him play baseball at the end. I know. Multiple times they made references in the background of him like swinging on stuff on like uneven bars, basically. And then he falls off an ostrich and does like a flip and lands it like a gymnast. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, he's going to play baseball. And I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, they should have had something like how like Joel McHale really wanted him to play baseball, even though he never shows up at his games. But this kid has been begging to do gymnastics the entire time. And Sandler's the one who's like, no, let him do gymnastics. It's fine. I think even not him him not realizing he could do that would have been interesting. You have Adam Sandler, who knows a lot about sports, saying something like, are you kidding? Like those gymnasts are the strongest fucking dudes out there. They could kick anyone's ass. And then he like talks to a guy who comes into Dick's. I'm sure they sell something there. Who knows? He works at Dick's. They can make that scene. Yeah. And then they're like, you got to see this kid. I saw him do a backflip the other day. He's like eight. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. And then they're like, yeah, like we'd love to have him join here. And it's like, you know, a positive place for him to work off his energy with like a male role model. Yeah, any of that would have been better. He, there are so many things in this movie that they could have tweaked and made better, mm-hmm. which is a shame because, again, I really like these rom-coms. I think Sandler was great in this movie. Um, I love seeing him act like a good dad. It just warms my heart. Yeah. There's a real good uh, reference to The Miracle on Ice by Adam Sandler's daughter. I picked that one up. I don't think you need to know what that is. No. Um, and I think the last thing is kind of uh what what do you feel about the tourism and weirdness of setting a movie in like a tourist attraction in South Africa yeah like, I'm trying to figure out why they did that either it was just like a weird choice they did so they could get filming money because they actually did film it in South Africa mm-hmm or it was trying to be a statement about how this is weird, like being in a different country, like blending families is like being in a different country and learning a different culture. But they don't really learn anything like that. Like, I don't know. I just I found it. It it felt so out of place that it felt exploitative, you know? Yeah. And I, I think the tourism aspect of a lot of these places is exploitative, but it also shows like I'm trying to think of the, the way I say it, like. There is a lot of money coming in that way, and it's not great that that's how it happens, but, like, it shows that they're in, like, a touristy area. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, tourism is such a weird... We could could be talking forever about this, but you're right. Like, tourism does bring in a lot of money to places, um, but it can also be very harmful in other ways. And same thing with, like, filming movies on location. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Like, the the same problems can arise. Like, yes, it does create jobs for people locally, but it can also be very bad. Yeah. um, It's a complicated issue. Yeah, I didn't love uh, them being in South Africa, basically. Um, They did do a pretty good job with having some local, uh, like, like kind of musicians and stuff involved in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The backing band for for Terry Crews the entire time are like locals. Um, a lot of the music in the movie is from like local or, or South African bands. Um, and they, they did do this on a resort that's in South Africa, which is not great. I think. No. Yeah. They basically went to the Las Vegas of South Africa based on what I'm reading. <laughs> yeah. It was like this, um, 
huge resort. I mean, South Africa, if we're going to talk about colonialism and, and yeah. problems that way. <laughs> Again, something we could talk about forever. Um, I did not realize that the person who played Mfana was Dr. Shakalu. Oh, yeah. You didn't? That's No. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> that guy is great. Yeah. He, he got a lot of my laughs, honestly. It would be nice if he would be able to, like, because I'm looking at his, like, previous jobs. So many of his jobs obviously exploit the fact that he is an African actor and, like, kind of use that, like, oh, you're going to play this African stereotype. It'd be nice if he, because he's, if you look at his credentials, um, yeah. this guy, Abdullah Ngom, um, Trained as an actor at the College of Marin under the renowned James Dunn, studied at the Michael Chekhov Studio in New York City, the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco, the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts, Conservatoire National Supérieur d'Art Dramatique in Paris, France, and Teatro Il Logione in Rome. Like, he fucking has some credibility. He doesn't deserve to only be in movies like George of the Jungle. He doesn't deserve to be the greasy strangler uh, in the Greasy Strangler as a Senegalese tourist. Yeah. I, I think actually, like, it, it's a shame they don't use him more in different things, basically. Yeah. I, I would like to see more from him. But I think they also probably have a hard time finding, uh, like, an African actor to yeah. do Happy Madison-style movies. Like, you need someone who understands kind of the jokes they're making to play Mafana without it being bad, you know? But no, I, th- I think the the whole going to Africa part of this movie did not do well for me. I think it's it's pretty shit. Um, and I, I don't know who made that decision, but it seems pretty, uh, it seems like it was in the script. I don't know if that was a change made. I would doubt though, because I know people are thinking that's an Adam Sandler went to a place to bring all his friends type decision, but his friends didn't really work on this movie except for Kevin Nealon and Terry Crews, I guess. Yeah. So like this wasn't really his doing and it wasn't something he wrote. So it's hard for me to say that. Although I think a lot of people would mention this in lines of like, this is the type of thing where they did blah, 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 blah. I I think the movie's plot required that they are stuck together in some sort of resort, but it could have just as easily been like a Disney World or like a, a, a ski resort. It could have been anything like that. I feel like it was specifically in South Africa, probably because the studio got like, I don't know, you know, they get money for certain filming locations. I wonder if there's something going on like that. Yeah, um, it was... Uh... That was a Warner Bros. thing. They they're the ones who like produced it big, and then Happy Madison helped, of course. So it was up to them to make the choice, and Warner Bros. has a lot more pull than a lot of places. So who knows? Um, I didn't think it worked though. I'll say that much. No, I don't think it worked either. Well, uh, there are a couple trivia things that I think are interesting though. Okay. First, um, Alexis Arquette reprises her role as Georgie in this movie, very briefly on screen. And it is her final film that she appeared in, um, the Boy George lookalike. Um, and also that the name Espen is a real name. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That's good stuff. Yeah, that um, 
S- S- Sandler went to a barbecue restaurant in Boca Raton, and one of the kids was named Espen, and he loved it and wanted it wanted to use it in a movie. Um, I just think that's that's so funny. What a what a fun name! I really like how that name sounds. It sounds very similar to Aspen, but it's not as like hippie. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also find it funny because several people have uh, said it was a cheap gag from Adam Sandler, and I'm like. I love that he he saw that someone was actually named that and wanted to use it because it's it's like uh, what was the other name he did that with the the character from Fifty First Dates the one that Rob Schneider played was a real person's name oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I don't remember that person's name though which is funny because he you know takes stuff from his real life and throws it into movies and people are like that doesn't make sense <laughs> uh, so yeah it's a decent movie uh, and. You can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod. On- what are we watching tomorrow? What are we watching tomorrow, Alex? We're watching <laughs> The Cobbler. And he's going to uh, bake a bunch of desserts for you. Yep. And then he's going to, I can't think of another thing that cobbling has he's to gonna do with. He's going to put bricks in the ground in an old timey town. Oh, like Cobblestone Road. Yeah. He's yeah. going to throw some stuff together and make a mishmash. Uh, yeah, it's one of the, I thought that this was a Netflix movie, and I, I guess I was wrong about that? Seems to be. Yeah. Seems to be wrong about it. Well, I don't know if you remember way back when, this is one of the movies that I said I was looking the least forward to. Yeah, it sounds very boring, but who knows? Oh, well, yeah. you can find out by, you know, following us at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter. That's where we post our episodes. Uh, you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. Do we have any games that are like this movie? Um, a very special episode, which is a game where you do a like after school special type thing. Um, and you can like get addicted to the weeds on accident. Um, and then someone has to talk you out of it with a really bad speech. <laughs> yes. Uh, all of our are free except for a couple of them like Moonpunk. Uh, you could, if you want to support us, you could do several things. Well, you could like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast on wherever you are listening it to it. Unless you're a professional critic, because I've talked too much shit, and now that is unethical for you to do. Yeah, don't review us, but <laughs> still subscribe. Uh, <laughs> you could also share this this podcast with your friends. Tell them that we liked Jack and Jill, and that'll get them going. You can uh, pick fights with us on the internet if you want to. I, No one's picked any fights with us yet. I want to fight somebody on Twitter. Tweet at yeah, us. I'll throw down. You can also support us at uh, patreon.com slash wannabegames. But instead, please go to bhlegalfund.org and donate some money to help indigenous activists who were arrested for protesting on unceded territory. It'll help with their bail fund. Yeah, you can see me post stuff about that, or you can get into a Twitter fight with me at at Joska. Uh, you can see me shout out a list our podcast is on, where we're number one in podcasts that mention Joe Dirt um, at Kitty Crusade. <laughs> no, what? <laughs> it seems like an automated thing. I don't understand it, but... We probably are number one in, in podcasts that mention Joe Dirt. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, please take my wife. <laughs> <laughs>